This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. Well, it's been a long time coming after a two-week hiatus. We're back. Big Time Baseball is here. Uh, I'm your host, Tony Gwynn Jr. John Heyman down for the week, but uh, we do have a fantastic guest joining us today. Bob Nightingale, baseball writer, one of the best baseball writers in our game, will join us. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. My partner is John Heyman. He's at John Heyman. And now you can follow this show on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And as I mentioned, joining us on the show today is Bob Nightingale. And first and foremost, Bob, how are you doing? Are you staying safe, staying healthy? Yeah, doing great, Tony. And uh, yeah, all safe here in uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, Bob, today, or this week, I should say, would have been the start of the winter meetings. One of the premier off-season events for, for Major League Baseball. What will be the ripple effect of this delay in not having the winter meetings start this week? Well, certainly we're going to have a, a lot less trade rumors, whether they're true or not, or free agent rumors. You know, it got it, you know gets so crazy at the winter meetings. You know, I'm going to miss it. You know, usually come in on a uh, you know, Saturday afternoon. Uh, all the GMs start checking in Sunday. Some trickling on, on Monday morning, but just all the uh, interaction. And uh, there's so many wild things going on. You know, about ninety percent of them aren't true, but it just creates a lot of talk and. Uh, I think baseball is going to miss that. Baseball is going to miss, you know, not having, uh, you know, kind of dominating the airwaves uh, for this week. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I remember walking around uh, the winter meetings last year in San Diego, and some of the rumors were palpable. Like you could feel some of the information actually, uh, you know, taking place. As you mentioned, ninety percent of it is usually not true, but it does create a buzz and it keeps Major League Baseball. Uh, in the news in a, in a particular part of the year where there is no baseball. Now, uh, we'll, we'll, do you think trades and free agent signings will be slowed because of no winter meetings, or is that more to do with uh, teams really trying to figure out their financial situation? Yeah, I think a lot of co- uh, combination, Tony, in the sense that I do think it slows things down. Uh, nobody needs to make a big splash and, you know, uh, you know, no, no GM or owner is going to say, hey, I want the uh, airways for myself. So let's make a trade right here or make a signing right here. So I, I think it slows that part down. And, yeah, there's just so much unknowns. I mean, we don't know when the season's going to start next year, how many games we played, whether we'll have a DH. Uh, and, you know, teams are trying to decide just how much money, if any money, they have to spend. 
Now, you, 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 that was a perfect segue into my next question, and, and it has to do with the DH. It just seems, it seems crazy to me, honestly, that there hasn't really been a formal decision on whether a, the DH will, will exist in the National League this year. It, it seems like it would put all of the National League teams behind the eight ball. What is Major League Baseball doing about this situation? situation? Well, uh, Major League Baseball and Union have talked. They're talking again this week. Uh, you know, as far as that, MLB wants to use it as a negotiating chip. Said, hey, we know you guys want the DH. In return, we want that expanded postseason. We want to go from 10 teams to 14. Not the same as 16 as a year ago. That was too much. That was a, uh, you know, unique season, obviously. So in the union, say, wait a minute now. You guys want the DH too. So why should we give up anything for the DH? So I still think the DH is coming, Tony. But we may not know that until February. And that's going to hurt guys like a, uh, a Nelson Cruz, who's a DH only, uh, a Marcelo Zuna, you know, who's way below average defensively, uh, but, but a great, great hitter. So those two guys in particular, I don't think it affects, you know, an Eddie Rosario that much or a Kyle Schwarber. Uh, and, and players want the DH. You, know, you talk to guys and they say, you know, we want to play as many games as possible. And to do that, at least we can use the DH as an off day and just play that way. Now, is there still a possibility that that decision could come down and it would be in effect for the 2021 season? Yeah, definitely. I think it. I think the DH is coming for sure in 2022. No doubt about it. I still think we'll have a DH, but we may, we may not know that until right before spring training or you know during spring training for that matter. I think it's going to take a while. You know, talking to both sides, nobody's really close on this decision. So you know, it's going to affect a couple of guys. Uh, the aftermath, and we'll see what you know. National League teams do do with it. Uh, you know, Major League Baseballs inform clubs that don't count on it, but they're certainly not ruling it out. Let's get into some of these free agents. Uh, uh, I think we should start with the non-tender player market because it turned out to be one of the bigger lists that we have so far. Uh, what are you? What did you? What are you seeing on the non-tender side? Because uh, I, I can't say there were surprises, but there certainly were some names that I think people may have didn't didn't expect to see uh, on that list. Well, if you're a power-hitting corner outfielder, you know, your name's going to be on that list. It's amazing how many of those guys hit the open market. We're talking about Eddie Rosario, you know, part, part of that Bomba squad in uh, Minnesota. You know, he's hit over uh, 100 home runs in the last uh, five years. Uh, Adam Duvall was such a big key to it. Atlanta Brave the last couple of years. Uh, you know, uh, of course, Kyle Schwarber, you know, the former World Series hero, with the Cubs, uh, even a, a David Dahl. Yeah, he's been injured and everything else. But for Colorado to say, we don't want to give you $2.5 million, it just it was, it was kind of an eye-opener. You know, you mentioned the corner outfielders. A lot of those guys came via the non-tender list. What, give, give us your best ranking in terms of uh, who who is the top notch of those guys. And, and you know, give us a list, a couple of them. I, I would go any Rosario number one. I mean, this guy uh, – is a stud. I mean, he hits, uh, you know, 25 home runs every year. Uh, <clears throat> you know, been very good. I mean, it's that his slash line is, you know, 277, 310, 478, uh, 788 OPS, 119 home runs. So, I mean, even last year, he hit just 257, which was a career low, but he still hit 13 home runs. Uh, you know, a, a power bat like that is hard to give up. And even, you know, a Kyle Schwarber, yeah, he hit 188. But two years ago, he hit 38 home runs in a regular season. 
So he's got a name as well. I think if a team was selling tickets, you know, say the White Sox, if you're going to have fans in the stands, it'd be a perfect move for the White Sox to jump on them, kind of try to steal some of the fans from the north side. I don't know if that's going to happen, but a guy like him can sell tickets as well. You know, I, I think it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact and point out the fact that it was only a 60-game season last year. So for all the guys that struggled, we don't know that that's necessarily a true struggle. 60 games in, in, in the course of a regular uh, 162 when compared to it, uh, it's not even close to the same thing. You see lots of guys get off the slow starts in the first 60, 70 games and, and start picking it up. So I, I think guys like Kyle Schwarber could actually uh, end up being with the team probably for cheaper if their years, if they're signing a contract based off of last year and then going out and, and put, putting up better numbers uh, in this 2021 season. I got to ask uh, about the catching market because there's been a little bit of noise made there, but it hasn't been – JT Riomoto that we're hearing about. Talk a little bit about, about this catching market. Well, certainly the uh, after JT Riomoto, and he's by far the number one guy out there. Uh, teams are talking to James McCann, saying, you know what, we can get this guy a lot cheaper. If Riomoto wants, you know, 125, 150, or even more millions of dollars, uh, we can get McCann for about four years for about $40 million. And the White Sox hate to lose the guy themselves. I mean, remember now, he was kind of Giolito, Lucas Giolito's personal catcher. When Giolito threw that uh, no-hitter, they know they can't afford to have both those guys, Grindall and McCann. But McCann is very, very popular with those pitchers. How about Gary Sanchez? We've heard his name a little bit over the offseason as well. I think it's a thing where, you know, because of this season, you know, we don't know what to make of it. I mean, obviously baseball doesn't either. Because uh, arbitration-wise, the, the two sides haven't even agreed how to do that. You're not going to just multiply a lot of these guys' stats by 2.7. Uh, it's almost like you throw them out the window. I think with the arbitration guys are going to say, you know what, judge me on 2018 and 2019, 20 doesn't count. You know, it's like you said, Tony, I mean, there's so many great players who are just traditionally slow, slow starters. And, uh, but those number numbers are there at the end of the year. You know, this, in this thing, you know, guys started to stop, you know, you don't know what, what it really means. What has the market started to take shape? For some of these top tier free agents, we're talking Springer, we're talking Bauer, we're talking Rio Muto. You can throw LeMayu in there, Ozuna, uh, Simeon. Has the market started to shape, or is this going to be like it was a couple years back? I guess 2019 now, uh, where the market was just really slow. 2018 and 19, where you you had guys like Manny Machado signing. And as spring training had already got, got going, are, are we expected to see the top-tier guys move along that pace again? I think we are, Tony. We got a little spoiled last year in San Diego with the big pitchers. You know, going we on did. Rosberg you know, you know, <laughs> right. and Garrett Cole. And yeah, it was a, uh, a, a fun winter meetings to see those big guys being signed. But yeah, I think it'll be slow just because teams you know, don't know how much money they're going to have to spend. And you know, let's be honest, you know, when you're talking about the big-type money, it's going to cost those guys like a Bauer and a, a Springer or a Real Moto. How many teams have that kind of money? So I think the free agents will just sit back and wait and say, we know we're going to get it. We're just going to see who, who does. And, of course, all these free agents are contacting the Mets, saying, hey, you got the richest owner in all the sports. <laughs> does he want to make a splash with me? So nobody wants to see the Mets out of the picture. No, nobody wants to see the Mets out of the picture. Uh, I, I I saw this morning Trevor Bauer is – now making his uh, 
his statement uh, for the Mets as well. The Mets, I, I mean, by all accounts, they're going to be pretty big buyers, it, it would seem like, in this free agent market, huh? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they go after a bower and spend that kind of money. I mean, Sandy Elverson still run the show. And Sandy's been very conservative yeah, yeah. over the years. You remember back in, he when he was the A's and working from MLB, when these big contracts came out, Sandy was the first one to rip into, <laughs> rip into it. Say, God, you guys spend this kind of money. Uh, yeah, I, I think McCann makes more sense with the Mets and, and a George Springer. Springer wants to go out east. So I, I think Springer either ends up with the uh, Mets or the Red Sox. I don't completely discount Toronto, but if you're a free agent and with the way that the border is now, not knowing whether you can even play in uh, Canada next year with the COVID restrictions, I'm not sure any free agent wants a, wants a part of that. Yeah, that I th- I think Sandy has already tipped his hand on how he wants to handle the finance. Obviously, he has it to at his disposal with one of the richest owners in in baseball. But the mere fact that all we heard going into the offseason was JT Ramuto, JT Ramuto, and all of a sudden we're hearing about McCann. I think that kind of shows you that although he'll he'll probably spend more than he has, he's still going to have those conservative principles when it comes to filling out uh, his roster. How about on the trade front? Because uh, obviously Lindor and Arenado are the two guys that seemingly will get moved at some point. What are you hearing on that front? I think Arenado, Arenado really wants out. I mean, he would uh, pray to the heavens if he got traded to the Dodgers. I mean, grew up there in L.A. and lives in L.A. in the offseason. He loved to be with the uh, Dodgers. And I think maybe he kicked himself a little bit signing that extension rather than waiting a year thinking he could end up in the in LA. So uh, I think Rockies want to get rid of them too. I think they want to dump that salary. But when you're talking about $35 million a year times about six years, that's a whole lot of money to be spent. So uh, I'm not sure he gets moved. Uh, Cleveland Indians have told everybody they're trading Lindor before opening day. They just don't have the money. Uh, they get a whole lot more for him during the winter than they can, you know, during the uh, trade deadline because you have them for an entire season. I just, uh, you know, two and a half months there. So uh, it'd be interesting. If you look back a year ago, Tony, is that Lindor, you know, the Dodgers wanted Lindor for so, so bad, and they're trading Corey Seager uh, in that deal for him. So if Lindor ended up with L.A., there would have been no Seager. Mookie Betts would never have arrived. Maybe it changes the course of history. So maybe some, some moves are the best non-moves. Yeah, it's interesting to it would be it would be nice to get in Nolan Arenado's head a little bit because he soured on that contract relatively quickly uh, after signing it. You mentioned he probably kicking himself for signing it a year earlier, but he had to know taking that kind of money would really hamper anything the Rockies could do at that point. Yeah, I mean, just too good of a contract to turn down. You had to do it. You know, he has an opt out clause after this year too. Which, you know, I don't know when they're opt out or not, leaving that kind of money on the table. He was promised, hey, we're going to build around you and do this. Well, some money came off the books. Well, all those relievers come off the board and things like that. But yet when you're non-tendering and David Dahl to save two and a half million dollars, certainly his eyebrows got to be raised thinking, what, what are we doing here? We're not, we're not going to come close to competing with the Dodgers. Now, uh, one of the stories that popped up over the weekend and then, all of a sudden had to be rebuked by the Phillies was a, a report came out that they were trying to trade Wheeler because uh, for financial reasons, then the Phillies owner said there wouldn't, they wouldn't trade Wheeler for, for Babe Ruth. Uh, what happened in that situation? 
I would he trade for Mike Trout? I think he would. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would too. Yeah, it's a uh, you know I think a miscommunication. I, I think the uh, guys were doing due diligence, saying, "Hey, everybody's available here. You know, we don't know what's going on financially." Uh, you know, John Milton says, "Hey, we got the money. We invested a hundred million bucks back into this team. We don't see anybody else doing that." So they insist the money will be fine. So I think it's just you know now it's pretty ironclad that. Uh, he is not going anywhere. You know, he's uh, wheeler stand foot. But I think, you know, remember when Kevin Towers was GM of the, of the Padres, Tony, he says you listen to anybody. You know, whether, whether it was your dad, Trevor Hoffman, it's, you know, you, you got to listen. You know, maybe someone just blows you away. So I, I think it's a little silly, you know, for someone to say, you know, no, I'm not going to listen to anybody. Hey, why not? doesn't hurt. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's probably on the damage control side for the player standpoint. Uh, but you're right. If you're worth your salt, you're listening to any offers uh, because you never know what what might woe you. Um, the the one of the other rumors, Bob, that's that's happened over a course of the last couple weeks is is uh, is Blake Snell. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about how he was handled in that final game of the World Series, uh, and he clearly wasn't happy being taken out of that game. And sure enough, season ends. All of a sudden, his name is in trade rumors. Is there any is there any merit to the fact that this could actually happen? Well, I think the Lane teams know that he's certainly available. Hey, remember they, they got a steal from the Chris Archer trade. Uh, so I think they're trying to say the same thing here. You know, why not shop them and see when they get in return? And they got to keep uh, changing things there because of salaries and all that. Still, uh, you know, I would not trade a Blake Snell, particularly you know, the fact that they won the division. You know, now they got a chance to make a little run here. I mean, came very close, obviously, to win the World Series. I would not give him up by any means. It also makes you wonder, too, Tony, when teams like uh, Tampa's talking about Blake Snell and you know, the Reds are talking about Sonny Gray, it's like, what do they know that the other teams don't? And they have, you know, access to all the medicals, everything else. Is there a red flag somewhere? Yeah, no doubt about it. I know out here in San Diego, there's been a lot of Blake Snell rumors and possible trades that. Uh, people are talking about but as you said when you have a pitcher that is that young and has been that good I mean former Cy Young Award uh, winner uh, you don't you don't move those guys unless you are absolutely blown away in trade uh, really the last the last story we have uh, going in baseball uh, is the Rangers they were able to bring on a, a friend of mine Chris Young who was working in the in the Major League Baseball offices uh, to be the GM, and and clearly uh, Chris has his work cut cut out for him. But he's one of the most intelligent people I've ever been around. Uh, how did this How did this come about? You know, they've been talking for uh, off and on for years. Say, hey, how about a spot? You know, helping out in the front office one day. And I think maybe when Chris Young's name came up with, with the Mets and said he wasn't interested in leaving because he wanted to stay home in Dallas, I think that might have been a little bit of a wake up call for the Rangers. Say, hey, let's let's go talk to him. And uh, I asked uh, John Daniels on the uh, conference call today, I said, if Chris had turned you down, would you have still hired a GM? And he says, I don't know, but this was a perfect fit. They said they'd interviewed four guys internally. I'm not sure about externally, but I think he just kind of fell in a lap. So I'm not sure they would have done a GM if it wasn't for Chris Young. Because remember now, you never heard you know, of, of anything that they're even looking for a GM until, until Chris got hired. Is, is, real quick. Uh, Bob is is 
is the GM role changing? Because obviously John Daniels has has had been in that role for for quite some time. Then he moved up to uh, he moved up in in the ranks a little bit. Is the GM role changing in baseball, or is it still the same with just more around it? Well, I think the GM, you know, in many cases now, you're actually number two guy. I mean, Jed Hoyer just got promoted when uh, Theo Epstein left, and he was the number two guy. I mean, I don't care what the title was said. You're number two. Uh, back in the Marlins days with Dan Jennings and Michael Hill, they kind of shared that role. And I think that's what's going on now is that almost like we're seeing, uh, you know, a pitching coach and assistant pitching coach, you know, assistant hitting coach and hitting coach, is that it's such a big job that you need some help to do it. So, you know, very few places don't have one. I mean, that Yankees with Brian Cashman is a rare exception. <laughs> I remember talking to Brian before when guys left like Bill Leopold. I said, well, you just hire Billy Upler as a GM and you're the president of baseball ops. He goes, because I'm the GM. You know, it's like, so, but very few are old school like that. They want a uh, kind of a, a tag team approach where they can kind of divvy up responsibilities. And I think we're going to see, see this too, where Chris Young obviously will be learning on the job uh, under John Daniels. Well, certainly a, a good one to learn under. And uh, knowing Chris pretty well, he's a pretty quick learner. So I expect good things out of him. Bob, Certainly appreciate you coming on today and, and spending some time with us, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again here before the season gets started. All right, look forward to it. Thank you, Tony. No doubt. Bob Nightingale, baseball writer, one, as I said, one of the best we have in our business joining us. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. Remember, as I said, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Twitter at Tony Gwynn Jr. You can follow John Heyman at John Heyman. And as again, you can now follow this show on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Until next time, I'll see you.